it certainly changed me, but it also reminded me that, look, everything will be okay. We'll, we'll get through this, and um, you're just going to have to think on your feet, and you're just going to have to keep rolling with the punches, um, and you're going to have to, you know, probably not take yourself too seriously um, for a while, because a lot of the stuff is out of your hands. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Border closures have had a huge impact on many lives and livelihoods. With tight travel restrictions, it's meant many lives have been altered and many businesses have experienced sharp downturns in trade. When will borders reopen and when will we see life getting back to the same level of normalcy between the states? Nick Rate is the head chef and venue manager of Joseph Cromie Wines. Hi, Nick. How are you going? Yeah, g'day, Huck. Good, mate. Yourself? I'm good. Thanks for joining us. What's life like in Tasmania at the moment? Well, mate, it's a, it's a high of about nine degrees today, so not exactly the, um, the, the start to spring I was hoping for. But um, other than that, you know, <laughs> it's, um, it's not too bad. You know, like um, uh, spring in Tassie is one of the greatest things about it. So um, it really, it really uh, thrives in the colours and <clears throat> in our property that we're on. Um, really loves it. So, um, uh, yeah, pretty good, you know, pretty good. Your situation just a little bit outside of Launceston. What's the what's this period of time been like the last couple of months given the border closures and the reliance on sort of locals? What's it, what's it felt like in that area? Yeah, look, it's tough. I mean, it's it's about 12Ks out of, out of central Launceston. So for Tasmanians, that feels like a really long way, whereas... You know, a twelve-minute travel in Sydney was was nothing, uh, nothing, nothing of a big deal. So um, it's it's been a little bit tougher probably for us because we're we're a bit out of town, whereas most of the other uh, restaurants and, and hospitality venues are are in the central area or close to it. So it's been a little bit isolating, even even in Tassie. You know, like that we're we're in the countryside. Um, you know, we're. Uh, property which thrives on tourism so we're, we're, a, we're a must visit destination you know like that's what Joe built it for um, it's it's um, it's a, a window into our winery and our winemaking um, so you know it's it's been a really interesting couple of months I, I, I suppose you could say I mean um, when we you know, when we locked down um, it was it went from being very busy and very loud and very active and, and lots of staff to to just being me for a, for a few days or, or a week out there. And yeah, it got real quiet real quick. Can you take us through that early period? What, what was, what was it, what did it feel like when the lockdown first happened and the fact that you had to let go of all of that stuff and it was just, the business was just relying on you? Yeah, incredibly hard, incredibly challenging um, for a chef who, you know, has ended up in a, in a, in a position where, you know, all of the staff report up to me and, and, and I'm responsible to, you know, the owner for, for his business. And, and we happened to be in Sydney, or in the central coast, New South Wales, um, researching to, to actually move back up there. Uh, we were from Sydney originally. We'd been here three and a half years and, and had loved it. Um, but the challenges, you know, and, and lack of family, we sort of were, were in Sydney for a week. And then, you know, it was literally the last day we were in Sydney that you know, announcements were starting to get quite serious and it was the Sunday before they, they closed hospitality venues. 
Um, so we sort of flew back down on the Sunday and it was like the weather turned bad almost instantly. And I just had this terrible feeling that like this was, this was going to get a lot worse. Um, and, and so we flew back into Lonnie and, 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 um, and by, by Thursday, I, I was standing down all of the casual staff or, or informing them that there wasn't going to be any work. We weren't closed yet, but all of our events had cancelled throughout the rest of, um, rest of March and April, and, um, and they were pretty critical for us, um, for revenue. Um, and um, so, yeah, by Thursday, I'd, I'd had to, you know, make the phone calls to all of our casual front of house and, and, and some kitchen staff. And then, and then obviously, on Sunday, um, Sunday evening that week, um, uh, yeah, the, the Prime Minister announced it was we we're going to close. So um, it was pretty. It, ha- it kind of happened quite quickly for me in that in that way. I mean, uh, I sort of heard from some of the other podcast um, people that they, they had sort of time and they considered it and talked about it in those weeks leading up to it. But for for me, it happened pretty quick. Um, and all of a sudden, it was um, yeah, all, all full time staff was was stood down other than myself, and uh, and it was sort of Nick, you need to figure out how to you know. <laughs> <laughs> how to sell something um, out of this restaurant, and um, yeah, so like you know, we'll see you in a few days with your ideas. So, um, and then it was, it was just, it was crazy. Yeah, it was just trying to get a model together that, um, you know, to put it in perspective for people that aren't from this this area. You know, yeah, we're 15 minutes outside of central Launceston, but but like the single postcode of Launceston. Is probably the size of this, you know, the, the main city of Sydney from Circular Quay to, to Central, so it's it's probably bigger. Um, and so I sort of went and go, oh, well, I'm going to do restaurant meals you reheat at home, and I'm going to break them down into. So I'll make them like we make them, and then I'll, I'll portion them into bags, and then and then I'll put paper instructions, and then I'll do um, instructional videos and how to play it like a chef. And and I, I was thinking, you know, I, I was actually thinking we'll sell a little bit of food, but I'll sell a ton of wine to people. And that'll be easy money, um, but it wasn't the case at all. Really, it was more. It was a lot of me vacuum packing, um, <laughs> and um, and like you know, filming instructional videos, you know, and then running to deliver the meals to to the people and trying to upload the video. And it was, um, yeah. Look, I mean, uh, I, was, I was talking to my wife about it earlier when we were talking about this podcast, and I said, you know, it was probably the the first time in my career that I. I got to the end of that first week. We, we hadn't made a delivery. We hadn't completed a dish or, or and, and I actually felt like, you know, I, I, this is just not worth it. I, I can't, I can't do this. Like I can't, I, I just, it's not, I'm not, I'm not trained for it. I'm not particularly, you know, um, patient. Um, so the, the patience of doing all of this myself and, and, um, and then delivering it all was, and just getting it all together really, it was just a completely different model. I mean, we, we're an event space. We're we're a, we're a casual fine dining restaurant space, and we are a, a beautiful, you know, um, charming cellar door. Um, and 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 you know, we lost all three of those, and then it was sort of down to me, you know, racing around Launceston in my Ute, trying to deliver, um, you know, <laughs> deliver <laughs> meals, and and then you know, you get back and, and prep and, and stuff. But um, yeah, so it was it was a mad rush. How did it make you feel in that role? Um, oh, pretty anxious, really, for the first for the first um, first part of it. Look, the first few days was great because basically what I looked at is like, oh, well, I've got I've got about three and a half grams worth of stock, you know, premium protein that's you know whether it's aged beef or or you know some like cured wallaby or whatever it is, um, 
and, and some produce and um, and I, it was sort of like my challenge was make a menu out of that and then that's pretty much what I did and that was fun, you know, because it was cooking um, and then the complicated part was, you know, uh, getting all the labelling done because I had no one no one with me. So usually I've got, you know, people in the office that know how to work everything and all the computer programs and, and all that sort of stuff but they were all stood down. So I was sort of trying to get my wife to do it and, and, um, <clears throat> and get the winery to help out where they could and... Um, and then, yeah, look, the first couple of weeks were pretty close to, if I can imagine the chef hell, that would probably be pretty much it. Um, while I was sort of hooning around Lonnie, um, I brought back one of my chefs who's Taiwanese and his English is, is coming along but ain't great. And he was sort of giving directions. <laughs> and it was just like, it was a bit of something like a faulty towers or something. Um, and, um, but then, you know, we got the hang of it. And, and, and honestly, mate, like feedback was awesome. People were loving it. Um, and we've we've made a lot of new friends, you know, new customers out of it. So um, I was, you know, the first customer I delivered to um, on the first day, and I rocked up in my, you know, beat up Commodore U, and 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 hadn't like hadn't really thought it out. So I was trying to sort of assemble the the meals in the cabin of the Ute while I packed it. And so I sort of pulled up, and she just happened to be on her front step. So I'm like doing all the stuff in front of her, going, oh, this is like. You know, you can run a pretty big venue, but you're not really, <laughs> you're not particularly good at this. Um, and uh, but you know, she was the first person to dine when we reopened um, on the first day, um, and we opened for breakfast for the first time ever on Sunday, and she was at our first service. So um, yeah, it was really quite quite a nice a nice connection we made there. Yeah, I know that you'd like to have a nice connection with the local producers and the suppliers and growers in the area. What sort of connection did you have with them during that time with the meals and, and what's the impact been on them? Yeah, oh, massive, div- quite diverse depending um, depending on if they had some sort of retail product already in place, um, if, 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 that, if that model kind of worked for them and then they, they, they some of them switched over to that fully um, and, um, <clears throat> you know, the local grocers and the, the Hill Street grocers and the IGAs in here and stuff, they got on board that stuff. So, you know, for, say, our pork producer, which, which already has a really, in, you know, um, thought out packaging processing, they were able to switch a little bit, so they were okay. Um, but basically, um, I just tried to make a menu basing it on all their produce. So if it was a vegetable-based dish, it was because the vegetables needed to be bought um, and they needed to be utilised. Um, and, you know, you know, of course, I, I did something with, with local beef and with local pork, and, and that's what people wanted. Um, and, um, you know, the seafood supply, you know, just went from a hundred miles an hour to nothing. And, um, you know, I wouldn't usually use a frozen piece of fish, but I was like, what, what's your problem? Like what, and he's like, I'm holding, you know, huge quantities of premium blue eye, um, and I'm going to have to freeze it. Okay. Well, I'll make a dish that you wouldn't even be able to tell that it was frozen. Um, and it'll be like, it was like a Thai curry sort of thing, coconut curry. Um, and it was really popular and, and we managed to help help sell some of that but yeah pretty diverse I mean you know we use some beautiful organic um, you know growers um, and their model is just you know it's totally gone out the window like you know they were they were high-end they were premium so you know they can't just turn around and start growing mainstream vegetables and 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 you know into spring and 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 hope that's that's going to sustain them so um, they, they've got some, um, some issues ahead of them. Um, but you know, yeah, we, 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 I spoke to everyone on the, the first week that we were closed and said, you know, 
you know, what have you still got in the ground? What are you, you know, what, what, what do you need to use? And, um, it was kind of just baby steps from there, really. Um, <clears throat> we weren't exactly selling a thousand meals a week. I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty um, small population, so we just did what we could, really. One of the beautiful things about where you are is that you're sort of living the chef dream of being able to source locally. What's it been like, and what's the area like for produce uh, that you highlight on the menu? Yeah, it's amazing. Like um, coming out of coming out of Sydney, you know, I lived there fifteen years in London, you know, three four years, where everything comes from a beautiful market, and and you can kind of get a lot of things a lot of year round, um, and that kind of may, I think can make you a little bit lazy in in a way that you know you can still get a pretty good tomato, you know, um, uh, in June, um, but here you know you don't have that because it is just it is so distinct in season, so it's. It's really, it's really hard. Like this, this time of year, this is the, the you know we're talking you know August September. It's really really hard because the soil's still too cold. Um, the days are still a bit short, um, um, but it's close to you know people have planted. But um, but then you know um, I suppose to I got a pretty pretty quick run at the beginning because I moved down here in in uh, September um, and we had a huge event. Um, at the beginning of November, and Tets was the was the chef, the marquee chef, and and we were hosting it, and so he he well his chef, uh, exec chef, sent me a list of like all this amazing produce, and of course he was an ambassador for Tessie, so um, produce, so it was like this really long list of all these amazing things, but I had no idea how to get them, um, and there was no there's no veg provider to call up and say hey mate like you've got two weeks to find all the stuff, it was down to me, um, so you know Google and Facebook and and um, and you know, a couple of people that I did know became pretty good friends. And 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 by the time you know, six seven weeks into being down here, I had I had a list of you know um, <clears throat> all these amazing little suppliers, um, and and I'd had a lot of disappointments already as well from some other ones. So I sort of knew who who you could rely on. Um, and yeah, it's it's amazing. Like probably from from the time the sort of broad beans and peas and stuff start coming through. Um, you know, late spring here, um, it's really amazing and, and you're really lucky. Um, and, um, yeah, that's what we try to do with, with, um, with our menu is, is just try to make sure that, you know, if it's an organic farmer, that there's three or four things on the menu that we're utilizing from them. And, and, um, I kind of just try and swamp the, swamp the kitchen with produce as well. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're quite a large restaurant, uh, generally quite busy. Uh, so, just got to get it in there and get it cooked well and get it on the plate, yeah. So, Well, you do put on some pretty amazing events there as well, and you mentioned Tetsuya, but you've had some pretty incredible chefs from around the globe cooking there. What's been a real highlight for you? Oh, definitely. Um, the, 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 I mean, it was amazing working with Phil Wood. He was a really great guy and really knowledgeable. It's great to learn from someone like that who was in my sort of um, you know, age bracket as a chef um, but just an exceptional cook. Um, the first, the first autumn um, that I was here, um, Elaine Passard came down, um, which I think you might have been at. Um, I was. And um, and um, yeah, it was challenging. It was it was pretty tough. Like uh, his sushi was pretty pretty hard nosed um, young French girl, and and um, they wanted you know like they wanted what they wanted. Um, but by the time we got to the lunch, it was incredible. I mean, I've, he's been a huge idol of mine for as long as as I can remember. Um, and to be to have him in my kitchen 
and to have him, you know, handing me spoons to taste and, and you know, he, he, he didn't speak a lot of English, but that was a massive highlight. It was a lunch as well. It was like a long lunch in autumn. Um, and, you know, like his first course, he said, I, I'll, I want 10 baby vegetables. Um, and so I just sourced, you know, 15 to 20. I can't remember how many I got. But, um, and they were all, like they came from, like I had a kitchen hand driving to Hobart um, the day before, and then he drove back up and then drove up to the North Coast and got the strawberries. And so he, he drove like 400, 500 Ks um, just to get some of the, some of the stuff. Wow. Um, and Passat, Passat was just like, even he was a bit blown away. And I was, that was the main thing I wanted to do was show him that, you know, Tassie grows produce as well as anywhere else in the world. Um, and that was amazing. And then, yeah, we did, we had Alex Atala as well, which for me, I mean, yeah, a bit of a God really in, in, the, in cooking, um, and, and other things. So, um, we had him for a dinner as well as part of the, the great chefs series that we've done. Um, and incredibly, yeah, incredible human being person, um, you know, cook, um, professional. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I've been, I've been very fortunate to, um, have those guys in my kitchen. Definitely. You've worked in some amazing restaurants. How did you get a start in the industry? Why did you become a chef? Um, probably a little bit similar to some other chefs that I wasn't doing particularly well at school, um, and I'd been I'd been sent to boarding school, and um, and I'd actually been kicked out, unfortunately. And um, and <laughs> the the guy I was private boarding with a family, and, and the father was a chef, and um, the guy I got expelled with was doing a hospitality course, like a seven-week course. Um, it may have even been part of his, like, community service or something. I can't quite remember. Um, it wasn't a particularly, like, savoury individual. Um, and um, so we, we did that. And then um, and then I, I moved back to Wellington, where I, where, I, where my family was, and, and applied for, you know, a job at the best hotel I could, uh, I could get into there. And um, – did, did about eight months and then uh, the assistant manager was Australian and, and she handed me a cookbook and it was basically, it, it might have been five or ten of the best chefs in Oz and um, Dimar Sawyer was one of them, um, Restaurant 41 um, and um, and uh, yeah, and, and I was just blown away by the way the food looked. It was completely, it was ten years ahead of what we were doing at, 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 the, um, at the hotel in New Zealand and um, you know, totally different. So that was it. I just sold my car and bought a ticket, moved to Sydney. Um, wow. And uh, I was only 19. I didn't know anyone. Um, and um, not a single, I only had my auntie who, who I hadn't seen much of uh, in the past for a few years. So yeah, went from there to the airport, got a job at the airport cooking breakfast because I couldn't really cook that well. Um, and um, and it's so I don't know what I was thinking. I was probably up for a good chance of like failure, really. Um, um, but um, I, I managed to get a trial at forty one. Uh, I got an interview at forty one and, and didn't get the job. Um, and then I didn't get the trial. And then and then a few weeks later, they must have been desperate and gave me a trial. Um, and um, and um, yeah, I mean, it was it was like another world to me going into the forty one. It was on the forty first floor of Shifley Towers, overlooked the harbour. Um, uh, about 140 seater it was three. It just lost its third hat um, back to two. So uh, chef was pretty pissed off uh, about that. And, um, and 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 he he moved. He actually moved back. He closed his restaurant in, in New Zealand and moved back to try and get his third hat back. And that was when I was there. So um, that that's that cemented me in the in the industry from there. Um, you know, that's where I learned about truffles and foie gras and, and 
caviar and 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 hard times as well. Um, and um, yeah, from by the time I left there, I was 22, and I could cook pretty well. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just from there it just led to one job to a, to the next, really. And you ended up down in Tasmania. And what's it been like reopening the restaurant since that sort of lockdown and then working by yourself, doing everything from cooking to packing to delivering? And what's what's trade been like since you've reopened? Um, it started really well, um, mainly weekends, but we were, we opened on it pretty tentatively, um, like a lot of hospitality businesses. Um, I imagine it must be so different in Sydney and, and, and obviously Victoria's right, right up the shit um, at the moment. Um, but we, we sort of reopened to a pretty small community. Um, there was no statewide travel at the time, so uh, we couldn't even get people from Hobart visiting us. So we, we based it all on a, on a JobKeeper cover your labour kind of scenario um, and open for the, for the days that we thought we could get good trade. Um, and, and, and it's been pretty consistent. I mean, you know, I got to Sunday afternoon, um, which is usually our busiest day, and, and, and the restaurant was really you were pumping quite well and everyone was quite busy. And um, I mean, firstly, reopening was 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 amazing it was like a celebration really like my chefs and and and, and the front house people was was so eager to be back there and 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 just the ownership they took straight away to reopen our venue and 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 whatever they could do to help and it was it was really really great because um i was pretty exhausted to be honest and um you know i'd, I'd been through so much and, and 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 it was so opposite to what they'd been through you know um I'd exhausted myself and I'd always just told myself, you're doing this to keep the venue open, you're keeping the lights on, you'll be ready when you, you know, as soon as the doors can reopen, you'll be able to get them back. And But it was exhausting. Um, so it was great that they came back and just and just got stuck in and it was just straight away like, chef, what do you want to do with the menu? What are you thinking? And and um, and let's go. Um, um, so it was amazing. And, and, and yeah, I mean, a real positive, real positive from, one, from reopening is, we we tried to, you know, like, not not necessarily that we wanted to do it for the community, but like we want to make sure that people, you know, um, view us as as someone that you know, uh, you know, really you know cares and wants to put on events and make people happy. And and we sort of started. We we said, well, we'll, we'll do a bonfire night. Let's make it a free event. We'll put on music. We'll put on you know, put it all on. We'll set it all up. We'll staff it properly. And everyone everyone have a great time. Cool. Let's do it. Um, and we did it, and we, we put it on sale on like a Monday afternoon, for just one event, um, and it, and it and it went mad, like you know twenty twenty thousand plus you know activities on it, um, hundreds of comments, and 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 so that was all just local, and I mean I think Lonnie's only about eighty thousand people or something like that, um, so we would usually get about ten comments, um, so we had to quickly go, oh look guys, we get we're going to have to make this ticketed because it's got to be COVID tracked. Um, you can't have people just turning up. Um, and so we put up, we, so I just said, we'll, we'll do three events. And so we put all three on sale. And uh, so we put one event on sale uh, first and then sold out in like six minutes. Um, and then we put two more on sale and they sold out within a couple of hours. Um, and yeah, we've just completed our second one. Um, and, and everyone turned up, even though it was a free event. So they they didn't have to, um, and they've been incredibly successful. So it's a, and it's a totally different clientele to what used to come to us because we're a bit of we were always seen as a bit of a special occasion um, venue for a local. We we were a must visit for you know if you come out of Sydney or Melbourne, you're down for the weekend, 
got to visit, um, got to try the wine, or, or, or the Chinese tourism was a huge part for us. Um, but yeah, community support for our events has been just amazing, and and um, and they've all just been eager to get in there and enjoy our product, and and um, yeah, it's been really nice that part of it. With uncertainty still over international travel, and also with border closures at the moment, how important do you think that? connection that you've created with the local community is moving forward for the restaurant and will it change what you offer moving forward yeah there's definitely certainly um the uncertainty with international travel um seems like it's you know no one really knows but it seems like it's some time away before we're going to be you know letting hordes of um of tourists you know come into a you know certainly into tassie um um and and um that risk of, of, of what could happen from that. So, you know, the plan is, is, is community and then local locals and, and how do we, so what we, what we look at doing is, is we'll continue with our fine dining. We, we, we moved our, our restaurant experience, um, up a notch. Um, we, I employed a, a new restaurant manager two weeks before we closed. He'd just, He'd just moved from Sydney. He'd worked at some amazing restaurants there. The poor guy had just landed, uh, and it hit. And um, so he was sort of straight into lockdown. Um, but he he's got an excellent excellent um, service. Uh, and so we've we've just raised this, the level of what we do for as a lunch service. Um, and then we've brought in uh, yeah breakfast, which we just started uh, on the weekends. Um, and then we're going to roll that into an all day dining. Um, which which goes at the same time as your fine dining, and we'll split the room, um, and we'll offer picnics for people to enjoy on our property um, around the lake. Um, we'll we'll just make sure that whatever we do, we, we people know that we're we're approachable, and you can come for a, a cup of coffee or a glass of pinot. We're sort of there for everybody, kind of thing, um, and um, and hopefully people can really appreciate it. I mean, it's just the weather at the moment, mate. Like it's just need a, a couple a couple more weeks. And hopefully we'll see some better weather and then, um, yeah, the property just sings from there. It's great. You've had a pretty turbulent and interesting time of some real challenges that you thought you'd never have. How have you felt during this time? Has it changed you? Yeah, I mean, oh, certainly, mate. I think it's changing me as we go. Um, it just, um, I probably wouldn't get too far ahead of myself to think that, you know, I'm through it or that, um you know, strong enough mentally that, you know, it's all going to be all good. I think it's, um, I kind of rolled into this thing pretty exhausted as it was. And as I said, I was, I was looking to try and get out of Taz, um, to try and get back towards around family and, and, uh, you know, um, and, you know, to be honest, we came back and we, we didn't really think it was for us up there anyway, after the week we spent there, we, we after sitting in traffic for half an hour, um, every, every day or everywhere we went. Um, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly changed me, but it also reminded me that, look, everything will be okay. We'll, we'll get through this and, um, you're just going to have to think on your feet and you're just going to have to keep rolling with the punches um, and you're going to have to, you know, probably not take yourself too seriously um, for a while because a lot of the stuff is out of your hands um, and, um, you know, we're heavily reliant on tourism. So, you know, <clears throat> you can imagine like most hospitality venues in, in Australia, when you sit down and you look at your um, your budget and, and how you're tracking, it's, um, it's a bit of a worry. Um, so... You know, we we just have to just keep doing the best we can, and um, 
And uh, yeah, look, just got to keep supporting each other and, and work it, work out what's best for us as a business um, and what's best for the people that supply us. And and and, and um, yeah, just keep talking to each other. Really. As we move forward, do you see yourself staying in in Tassie for a long period now, or um, are you open to new challenges? Yeah, I think I'm definitely I'm definitely here for for some time yet. I mean. It's funny, like things, you know, progress really quickly for me here. My career was a bit stinted by the time I left Sydney. I wasn't really getting anywhere. Um, you know, you know, the, the couple of jobs I had before were kind of limited in creativity or direction by, you know, where it was or who owned it or the, you know, um, the people that had influence on it. Whereas here I've got complete freedom um, and it's, always only been limited by, you know, pretty much can you find the right people to work with you to do it. Um, so it, it's amazing here. Like I, I think I'm here for some time yet. I think, you know, unfortunately some businesses will close down here. Um, some restaurants will close. Um, and I mean, I just don't know, you know, how, how long they can sustain it for. There's a lot of owner operators here, um, which were, which were 50 plus percent capacity, um, covered by tourism, um, and you know, you know, the, yeah, I, I think for myself, I personally feel that, yeah, I'm I'm in it for the journey with Launceston, um, and that's sort of you know taking it back to where it was or cl- as close to as we can get it really. You mentioned how sort of fatigued you were coming into the pandemic, and then you had to almost work harder than you ever had. Have you planned any time or thought about where you might go? Um, when you do get a chance to have a break when all the borders open up again? Um, well, it will definitely be a beach. Um, yeah, where, wherever it is. <laughs> um, yeah, we miss the beach so much. Um, you know, it'll probably be New South Wales somewhere because my wife misses her family um, greatly. Um, and, um, yeah, New Zealand wouldn't be too far off either once once that opens up. But, um, yeah, certainly... Um, you know, we're pretty we're pretty content with with where we're at at the moment, um, as in where we live. Um, so I think we'd just go somewhere a bit warmer and and just get get away and get a fresh fresh head on it. Um, yeah. Well, Nick, it's always good to catch up. Um, loved having you share your story on Deep in the Weeds, um, mate. Keep in touch, and um, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, cool. Thanks, mate, and thanks, Rob, as well. It's, it's great. Thanks for having me on. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.